Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? You know, a few weeks back, I talked about the Fairphone as a sort of gateway topic that could let me talk about a lot of serious challenges that the tech industry and we as consumers face if we want to try and be ethical and responsible with our our tech purchases and strategies. So in that episode, we talked about environmental and social issues, and we covered things like sustainability, and we covered things like human rights because there are a lot of different steps in the supply chain where that's a real issue. And today, due to a listener request, uh, the listener actually downloaded the iHeartRadio app. They went to Tech Stuff, left me a nice little voice message asking if I could talk about this. We're going to talk about a different smartphone and what sets it apart from other devices in its category. Uh, It is not going to be nearly as heavy as the Fairphone episode was, because we're not going to dive back into all the human rights stuff and sustainability stuff to a great extent. But I hope you will learn some interesting things along the way. So the phone we're going to talk about today is the Nothing Phone, specifically the Nothing Phone open bracket one closed bracket. So the Nothing Phone one. Uh, This phone actually shares a couple of superficial similarities with the Fairphone and one important, non-superficial similarity. So for one thing, it is not going to be sold in the United States. Neither the Fairphone nor the Nothing Phone will be sold here in the U.S. So if you are in the United States, I'm sorry, this phone's not going to be available. I can't get it either. So, um, but, you know, listen to the episode because there's some important stuff in here. And uh, by the way, it's clear that it's not going to be sold in the U.S. because the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, didn't certify the device. And that is a requirement 
if you're going to have a cellular device operate on United States networks. Superficial similarity number two, both Fairphone and the Nothing Phone 1 rely on a version of the Android operating system. And we're going to talk more about, you know, Android OS and how it appears on more phones in a, a little bit in this episode. Now, one less superficial, one important similarity between the Fairphone and the Nothing Phone is that the Nothing Phone also takes a pretty cool approach when it comes to at least some of the material in the phone itself. So the Nothing Phone has an aluminum case that is then coated with Gorilla Glass. So when you look at the Nothing Phone, it kind of looks like it has a, a clear case, and then you're looking into the the aluminum uh, uh, casing itself, like almost like you're almost like you have stripped the shell off of another smartphone. It has that kind of cool aesthetically industrial look, I think. Anyway, the bit that's important is that the company says they use 100% recycled aluminum to make those cases, which is following that sort of ethical sustainability approach that Fairphone uses. So I wanted to call that out because I think that's really cool. I think that's a, a great thing to do is to rely on recycled materials rather than mining for new ones. But really, that's where the surface similarities kind of end between the Fairphone and the Nothing Phone. So the Nothing Phone isn't really meant to address sustainability or ethics issues in the tech sphere the same way the Fairphone does. It doesn't push as hard in that in that regard. But boy, howdy, the marketing for the Nothing Phone has been, I'll say, pretty aggressive. If you just pop on over to Nothing Technologies webpage, you'll get to read some of that marketing. And you'll see stuff like, quote, less distractions, more soul, just pure instinct formed as a machine, told through beautiful symbols, deeper interactions, and brave simplicity. Phone one can bring us back to us, end quote. Now, I like that this doesn't actually say a whole bunch of useful stuff about the phone itself, but it feels like it's really deep and meaningful. All right, now, before I dive into the phone, which, you know, will be uh, the most, the, the bigger part of this episode and talk about what it does and some other related stuff about it, I want to talk first about the company behind it, which is called Nothing Technology Limited. One of the co-founders of Nothing Technology is a guy named Carl Pei. Now, Carl Pei co-founded another phone company called OnePlus. This happened back in 2013. Uh, OnePlus is an incredibly successful hardware company, uh, especially in places like India. The smartphones that OnePlus makes are popular among millions, hundreds of millions of users. OnePlus does something similar to what Nothing is trying to do, which is it produces Android-based smartphones that aim to market interesting features for a mid-range price. So in both OnePlus and Nothing Technology, Pay's companies aren't necessarily pushing to create the flagship device for that platform, that being Android phones, but rather one that is compelling while costing less than competing phones in the same general field. Now, Pay left OnePlus in 2020, which came as a surprise to some people because the company had grown into a big brand. It was incredibly successful. So why leave? Well, Pei was getting ready to launch a new company. In fact, he did it almost <laughs> immediately after leaving OnePlus. And he secured investments from some pretty interesting folks here in the United States, which includes former Apple designer Tony Fidel, uh, Reddit's CEO Steve Huffman is one of the big investors, Twitch's co-founder Kevin Lin is another, and there were more. And Pei started talking about how tech had kind of lost its way, like it lost its magical touch on us. And this would lead right into the marketing spiel for nothing technology in general and nothing phone in particular. So Pei was essentially saying that, you know, in the early smartphone days, so really when Steve Jobs first introduced the iPhone, consumers reacted with excitement and wonder and they just gushed about these new devices. It was something to celebrate. 
And if you just go back and watch early Apple iPhone press events, like for the first few iPhones, especially the ones that Steve Jobs led before his passing in 2011, if you watch those, you'll really see what Pei is kind of talking about. You'll see these big reactions from the crowd uh, over these things. Like it was this enthusiasm and joy it, it came across almost as if Steve Jobs was promising the crowd that they were all going to go to Disneyland on his dime. But these days, Pei has said, folks tend to be a little more reserved and skeptical, maybe even apathetic. They're not excited about new products. They might still refresh them regularly because their devices start getting less useful as time goes on, but they're not enthusiastic about it. And Pay puts a lot of the blame on the products themselves. Uh, although I think really the blame goes on the companies that have created this, this incredible rapid refresh cycle that has kind of burned us all out, right? Like when there's a new one every single year, there gets to be a point where it's hard to innovate in a way that sets something head and shoulders above everything that came before right? You you start to refine and you make things more powerful and faster and more attractive, but it's hard to create something that is a huge leap forward. It tends to be smaller steps. And that just tends to get us less excited over time because we start to come to expect these things. Like, of course, it's going to be faster. Of course, it's going to be prettier. What else does it have? That's kind of what Pei was saying. And uh, he wanted to create a company that would design awesome devices that people would want to use, devices that could connect people to each other and include really cool features along the way. So he launched Nothing Technology, which has already come out with a set of wireless earbuds called the Ear One. It did that in 2021. And the Nothing Phone, for those who don't know, it, it came out earlier this year, too, in July. So this is a phone now that has been on the market for a few months. Now, back in 2021, the Ear One Buds got pretty good reviews. And by the way, when I say Ear One, it's really Ear, open bracket, one, close bracket, or parentheses if you prefer. So yeah, the both the phone and the ear have parentheses, one, in close parentheses uh, after them. That's kind of how they're designating it, not just Ear One. So whatever. Anyway, it got really good reviews. Uh, people said that the sound quality was great that the battery life was great, that it had a really neat kind of aesthetic to it because the case is made out of a clear plastic, a transparent plastic. So that was kind of set it apart from like the white AirPods from Apple or things like that. And it was obvious that nothing technology was going to produce stuff of, of good quality and intriguing design. So the earbuds came out in 2021 and the word was then that a phone was going to follow the next year. And that happened. It, it launched in London, England in July. All right. So let's talk a little bit about that phone. The phone's operating system, which I mentioned earlier, is a version of Android OS, is called Nothing OS. But Nothing didn't make their own operating system. Really what they did was create a skin, a user interface that sits on top of an Android OS core or body, if you prefer. And this is kind of what Google was planning for when folks over at Google were first developing the Android operating system. Apple was preparing to launch the iPhone. So this is like 2006, 2007. And folks over at Google were trying to create a next generation smartphone operating system that other manufacturers can install on their devices. Google wasn't really keen on jumping into the hardware business itself. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll talk more about Google's approach versus Apple's approach and how that would define the strategy that these two companies made when they were getting into the smartphone arena. But first, let's take this quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. 
Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Okay, as I said before the break, Apple was coming into the smartphone market primarily as a hardware company. That's what Apple was known for. Everyone knew Apple for its Mac computers and for its iPod devices, which had become monstrously popular in the mid-2000s. Now, more recently, in more recent years, Apple has started to shift to become more services-focused. That's something that Tim Cook has been leading the charge on in order to generate revenue by having Apple make more money from things like subscriptions and by taking a cut of in-app transactions. So there's less of a focus on the hardware itself. I mean, Apple still makes hardware and they still put a lot of effort into it, but the push from a revenue standpoint has really kind of shifted to services and less on how many of these things can we sell. This, by the way, is sort of what Pei was getting at when he was arguing that device design had kind of lost its way. He he sort of implies, at least in my mind, maybe I'm inferring, I'm inferring that Pei is saying that companies like Apple no longer innovate in design the way they used to. Uh, They're focused too much on finding ways to make money through services. By the way, that's something that around the world we're seeing regulators push back on, right? Because we've seen a lot of, of developers complain that Apple locks them into a system and does not allow them to use any alternatives and that that is anti-competitive. So that's something else playing out around the world right now. Well, over at Google, the plan all along was to provide an operating system platform that other companies could use because that operating system naturally emphasizes Google's other services And that's where Google derives revenue. So Google was kind of looking at this services approach from the beginning. 
and wasn't really keen on getting into making its own smartphones. So Google would not benefit directly from hardware sales, but down the road, the company would make bukus of buckos because hundreds of millions of people would be using phones with an operating system that tends to guide people into using Google services. And again, Google has also gotten in trouble for this, and there have been regulators claiming that Google practices anti-competitive strategies in the market. But this means there's a fundamental difference between iOS and Android, and it gets to the very core of this. iOS is only meant to run on Apple devices, right? You're only supposed to run iOS on things like iPhones and iPads and that kind of stuff. Android operating system is meant to run on whatever hardware a manufacturer wants to put it on, uh, assuming that they certify with Google to run Android. And manufacturers can tweak Android too. It doesn't have to just be a pure Android experience. They can actually put their own user interface on top of the Android operating system. They can also include their own apps as native apps on that so that if you were to get, say, a Motorola smartphone versus a Samsung smartphone back in the day, you could have very different apps on the homepage on there. Also, phone carriers can get in on this too. So if you have T-Mobile versus if you have AT&T, you could also have different apps pre-installed on your phone and on the homepage. Now, what this means is you could buy two totally different Android phones made by two different manufacturers running on two different phone carriers. And even though they're both running the same operating system, even if all the internals are the same, like they're using the same processor, they've got the same amount of memory, the same amount of of storage space, you can have a very different look to the homepage on the two different devices. And often users lack the permissions to remove some of those native apps that the various manufacturers and carriers have pre-installed on the phone. So you get a phone, it's got an app on it that you don't want, you never use, but you can't remove it. It's just stuck there. Now we have a name for this kind of software. We call it bloatware. So this is the stuff that manufacturers and carriers add on top of a device and users are not typically able to remove it. And it bloats the operating system. So not only might you be irritated that there's this app on your phone that you don't want, but you can't take it off, you might also get mad that that app or apps are taking up space on your phone that you wanted to use for something else. Like you might think, oh, I'm not gonna be able to take as many photos as I want because this app I don't want, there's no way for me to get rid of it. And I can't free up that space or free up that processing. It's slowing my phone down and it's making the experience less enjoyable. That is the kind of issue with bloatware. Well, nothing touts its version of Android as being free of bloatware. They say it's more of a pure Android OS experience that is free of bloatware. And presumably that means that you could also uninstall any apps that come pre-installed on a nothing phone. I don't know that for a fact. But if it's truly free of bloatware, it should be possible. Now, the company also says it uses, quote, bespoke widgets, fonts, sounds, and wallpapers, end quote. Bespoke. Okay, I love tech and stuff, but marketing speak sometimes makes my eyes roll around uncontrollably in my head. I am sure it's very pretty to look at. I have no doubt about it, but bespoke. Okay, anyway, one benefit that nothing touts of its phone is that the operating system doesn't prioritize first-party apps over third-party apps. So what that means is that whatever you install on a nothing phone should run just as smoothly, just as well as any native apps pre-installed on that phone, any apps from nothing itself, they should all run at the same capability based upon the phone's technical specs, which we will get into in a bit. So if you were to install an app that had a greater requirement on the hardware than a nothing app would, yes, that will make a difference. But It's saying we are not prioritizing our own stuff over anyone else's. This phone is yours and whatever you put on it should run as as well as possible based on the hardware. Um, One example they give is a Tesla app that lets you use your phone to do stuff like unlock your Tesla vehicle. Now, the company also says that the phone tracks your app usage 
so that your most used apps are ready to load right away. So if you happen to use something like a Netflix app, right, to watch videos all the time on your phone, then the Nothing Phone essentially prioritizes that app so that it takes less time to pop up once you select it and and there's less lag there. So apps that you use much less frequently are, quote, frozen to conserve power, end quote, which I think just means it has to go through the whole loading process in order to get those active. Oh, and the Phone One also has a native NFT gallery where you can display your NFTs and even track their prices on your home screen. So you can display the digital things you've purchased and how much they're worth. Now, y'all already know how I feel about NFTs. The fact that this display incorporates prices into it feels really icky. It just reinforces the criticisms I have about NFTs in general. So this ain't a feature that I find particularly compelling. Also, it's curious to me that they're still kind of promoting that just because I feel like the general feeling about NFTs has really become much more negative except for that small niche uh, group of NFT enthusiasts and evangelists. But that's neither here nor there. Now, if you flip the phone so that the back faces up, you'll see that you've got your Gorilla Glass coated aluminum case. It has this sort of industrial look because you're looking at just little panels of aluminum on the back. Uh, you'll see that it has a couple of camera lenses. Um, so you also will see that if you get a notification or a call, that bright lights will light up on the back of the case in different shapes. There's actually two sets of lights. Each set has 10 lights in it that can make these shapes. Uh, they are called glyphs. Nothing calls these glyphs. So one set of 10 is for phone notifications. The other set of 10 is for different ringtones. And you can actually tweak how these glyphs light up and you can customize them so that the glyphs will light up one way for, say, an incoming Facebook message. And uh, they'll light up a different way for a Twitter notification. Or you can have one glyph appear if it's your mom calling you and a totally different one appearing if it's, say, your significant other calling you. And you can tell who's calling or what's going on with your phone just by looking at the back of it and seeing the pattern of lights light up. I'll talk about that more when we come back from this quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. <laughs> People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? And basically have conversations 
that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Okay, so there are these lights, these glyphs that can light up in different shapes on the back of this phone and indicate that you've received a message or that someone's calling you. Now, I probably would end up spending ages setting up these glyphs to customize every notification I can and every incoming call that I could, like in my contacts list. And then I would promptly forget what was what. So I would have to flip the phone over anyway just to see what I was getting, like whether it was a phone call or a notification or whatever it might be. Uh, But that's on me, right? Like I can't imagine looking at one of 20 different potential patterns and immediately knowing, oh, that's a Twitter message or something. If I had actually used all of them, that is. If I only used a couple, then sure, yeah. I mean, that makes it way easier. But if you're using all of them, uh, you must have a better memory than I do, which isn't saying much if we're being honest. I can't really blame the phone for that. That's more of a failing on my part. I think the glyphs feature is kind of nifty. I mean, it's definitely the eye-catching feature on the phone. It's probably the most effective way to grab someone's attention to the phone because it's different from what other phones do. This is something that sets it apart. But I would not call it a killer feature on the phone simply because it really has limited usefulness. One thing that is interesting is that these glyphs are are actually tied to specific notification sounds and ringtones on the phone. So in other words, the way you would assign a glyph to, uh, let's say, a Twitter notification is that you would go into the Twitter app and you would go into its settings and you would change the notification sound for an incoming tweet to a specific sound in the list. That sound correlates to one of the 10 glyphs for notifications. And so if you have sounds turned on, you'll get that specific notification sound and the corresponding glyph pattern will light up. So in other words, what you're really doing is you're changing sounds and ringtones. You're not really choosing a specific glyph so much as you're choosing the sound that corresponds to that glyph. So you're stuck with the pre-made ringtones to choose a specific glyph for specific people. So if there's a glyph you really like, but you hate the ringtone, well, you can put your phone on silent. The glyph will light up. The ringtone won't play. But you're stuck with that ringtone with that glyph, right? You can't change the ringtone and keep that same glyph. You'll get whatever glyph goes with the new ringtone. Uh, I just think it's kind of a a weird gimmick more than a feature that, quote, brings us all back together. All right, so let's talk about actual specs here. So the phone's processor is a Qualcomm Snapdragon 778G+. Uh, This chipset debuted last year, and the 7 series of Snapdragon chips are in Snapdragon's high-end range, but they are below, like, flagship level. So kind of like between flagship and mid-range. So it's a good processor, but it's not top of the line. It's not the best of the best. 
This does, however, mean that the phone isn't going to cost as much because the processor's not as expensive. It also has 5G connectivity, so you're able to tap into that. Uh, so in places that have the high-density, you know, high-frequency 5G, you can get that incredible responsiveness on 5G. The problem is that's just not available everywhere. The distance of transmission for that level of 5G is pretty limited and it can't do stuff like go through walls, for example. So you will get that incredible speed in specific instances, but not everywhere. There are two camera lenses on the back of the phone. The first is a regular 50 megapixel sensor with optical image stabilization. A quick reminder on megapixels here, it's been a long time since I've really talked about megapixels. Essentially, megapixel tells you the number of dots or points of light that will make up a digital image. And this is true no matter how large the screen is. So 50 megapixels tells you that the photos you take will have essentially 50 million little points that make up that image. This is oversimplifying things, but that's essentially what it means. So in the good old days, digital camera companies, back when we would just buy regular consumer digital cameras before cell phones had decent cameras in them, they would use high megapixel numbers as sort of a metric of quality. Like this phone is better because it has more megapixels. That's kind of an oversimplification because there are a lot of other factors that are important in, in determining image quality. It's not just megapixel count. A high megapixel count is important if you plan on doing something like showing off digital images on a large screen, right? Let's say that you're taking photos on a camera and you're planning on putting those photos on a giant television. Well, you want a high megapixel count so that that image still looks good on the big screen and doesn't look grainy or anything like that. Uh, or maybe you want to print out giant posters of whatever you're taking photos of. You want high megapixel count so that the resolution is still good when you're on this much larger format. That's where megapixels were really important. Uh, the second camera on the Nothing Phone 1 is an ultra-wide lens, but it also has a 50-megapixel sensor, so 5-0-megapixel sensor. Uh, there's also a front-facing camera on the phone. This one has a more modest 16 megapixels. Now, I say more modest because, again, I remember when consumer digital cameras were maxing out at like 10 or 12 megapixels. So just having a 16 megapixel as a front-facing camera, it's incredible when you if you've been around long enough to have seen how digital camera technology has improved over the last two decades, really three decades, I'm getting old. So pretty incredible uh, in that regard. The phone is capable of recording video at up to 4K resolution, which is pretty impressive. Uh, the screen on the phone is OLED, it's organic LED. It has a 120 hertz refresh rate. That actually is really impressive. That's one of the things about this phone that I find pretty amazing. It's better than a lot of flagship phones out there that max out at around 60 hertz. Now, in case you're not familiar with the term refresh, essentially, this refers to the number of times that the screen renders itself or refreshes each second. So 120 hertz means the screen refreshes 120 times per second. For you, this creates a smoother experience when you're scrolling through the phone or it can improve the experience if you're using your phone to do stuff like play games on it. The screen measures six and a half inches on the diagonal and it has a resolution of 1080 by 2400. So not like super high resolution, but it's also a small screen. So you don't need super high resolution at that size and and at how far you away you are from the screen. You're going to be pretty close to it. Nothing Technology advertised the screen as being capable of a brightness of up to 1,200 nits. A nit in IT, as you probably have gathered at this point just from context, is a measurement of the brightness of light. So one nit is equal to one candela per square meter. Uh, a candela refers to candle power. So now you're saying, that's not really giving me an idea of brightness. Well, let's put it this way. The noonday sun has a brightness of about 1.6 billion nits. So, you know, just think, okay, well, what would 1,200 nits look like then? Now, according to 
Ultra Vision LED solutions, the average television has a brightness of around 450 nits. So 1200 is significantly brighter than that, right? It's almost three times as bright. But then you don't typically take your brand new TV outside into bright sunlight. But you do take your smartphone out there. So that explains why phones need to be brighter than televisions, because in sunlight, if it's a dim screen, you can't see anything on it. However, I should add that a review of the Phone 1 that was published by The Verge revealed that the actual max brightness was closer to 700 nits and that nothing technology had clarified that the company had eased off on the brightness in order to preserve battery power. That, you know, if you were blasting at 1200 nits, you were draining the battery much faster. But that a future firmware update could remove this kind of throttle feature and allow you to go all the way up to 1200. So maybe by the time you hear this, the max really will be 1200 nits. Anyway, according to the review, even 700 nits was more than sufficient for operating the phone in direct sunlight without a problem, so there's no real issue here. It's, it seems like it's pretty good in that regard. While Nothing Technology says the Phone 1 has a battery life to support up to 18 hours of use, The Verge reported that the phone's charge was pretty much drained after a single day's use. Not like 24 hours, but just like using a phone in a typical day. However, the reviewer does say that they tend to put their phones through heavy use scenarios. So you should imagine someone who's on their phone frequently throughout the day, but that by the end of the day, the phone was pretty much out of charge. The phone supports 33W wired charging, so it can go back up to around 50% power pretty quickly, like within 20 minutes or so. Uh, it can also charge wirelessly, with a Qi charging station at 15W. So slower than if you used a wired charger, but it is capable of charging wirelessly, which puts it in a, a pretty small subset of, of, of medium-end smartphones. It can also reverse charge other devices, like those earbuds I talked about at 5W. So you can actually wirelessly charge your earbuds from your phone if you want to, which is, again, nifty. It is not something that you typically see in mid-range phones. Uh, it does not include a charger itself, so you would actually have to go out and buy the cable and plug and everything uh, separately. But that's not that unusual in, in devices that are sold in Europe. All told, the base level Nothing Phone 1 comes in at 399 pounds which is about 440 bucks right now due to the British pound being weaker against the US dollar than I've ever seen in my life. That will get you a phone with eight gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage space. And you can upgrade to a 12 gigabyte RAM and 256 gigabyte storage version of the phone one. That one would cost 499 pounds or around 550 bucks American, again, due to that exchange rate. So this puts the Nothing Phone into the category of mid-range smartphones. It's not priced as a budget phone. It's more expensive than budget phones, but it's also half as expensive as the flagship phones that are out there. Now, I have not personally used one of these phones because I'm in the States, but my first impression based upon what I have seen is that this is a good mid-range Android smartphone. It has some features that you're just not going to find in most other mid-range phones on the market, like that reversible charging feature. The glyphs are a really nifty idea. It really does make the phone, you know, stand out, but it wouldn't be a practical feature for someone like me. I would think they were pretty, and then I would never worry about them again. I would just as soon keep my phone face up so I can see what notifications are coming in rather than sit there and say, huh... That is a blinking C. Which of the which of the things did I assign a blinking C to? I wouldn't remember. So in short, my first impression is that Pay is following a similar playbook with nothing technology as he did over at OnePlus. He's creating smartphones and accessories that include some nifty features at mid-range prices. And I think this is awesome, but I also think it falls far, far short of the marketing messages we've received. I don't see the Nothing Phone as transforming smartphones in general, um, which is, again, that's kind of the hype that was around this phone before it was launched. There were 
outlets out there saying that, you know, if we're to believe what's being said, the nothing phone is going to change everything. It's not. It, it just isn't. Um, it's a good phone, but it's not going to transform smartphones. Uh, it's a good phone at a good price, pretty much full stop. So I think the other takeaway we can keep in mind with this episode, it's one that we all know, but it bears repeating. Marketing can be deceiving. In fact, marketing frequently is deceiving. Maybe it it uh, exaggerates things. Maybe it couches things in, in language where the language doesn't really mean anything. Like you can't quantify it. That's how Nothing Phone was. Like Nothing Phone's marketing was all about this, these, these feelings and these abstract concepts that you can't tie to specific metrics, right? Like, how do you measure how deep your experience is? There's nothing to measure. So that's something that you should always keep in mind when you encounter that kind of messaging. It's just like, does this actually mean something? Is it, is it something that you can quantify or is it just there to kind of get your interest and that's it. Um, sometimes marketing lies by omission, right? Like they'll leave out important stuff <laughs> that if you knew would very much change your perception of the device. So it's just good to remember that when we encounter marketing, any kind of marketing, we should kind of keep a skeptic hat on. Whether that marketing is trying to sell us a product or a service or an image of a brand, or just an idea, we need to approach with some critical thinking. Don't just dismiss stuff. Don't just say, oh, they're marketing it, so there must not be anything to it. That's not the case either. It just means examine those claims carefully, ask what they actually mean. Maybe they don't mean anything. And that's just good to know before you go into it. Uh, Yeah, always important to keep that in mind whenever anyone is trying to market stuff to you. Uh, Or as Wesley from The Princess Bride would say, life is pain. Anyone who says otherwise is selling something. All right, that's it. Thanks again for this request. I would thank you by name, but you didn't leave it in the message. uh, So I don't have a name to thank. But it was great to be able to look into this. I, the Nothing Phone had kind of gone over my head, largely, I think, because Again, it's not a United States-based phone, right? It's based over in the UK, and it's going to be sold in Europe and places like that, but not here in the US. And I missed it because of that, Uh, which is a shame, because obviously there are tons of really important tech stories playing out all over the world, not just here in the United States. It's just very easy for me to miss those because they don't get as much coverage here. And if I don't know what I'm looking for, I'm not going to find it. So thank you for that suggestion. It was really interesting to dive into this and to look into it. I think that Nothing Technology, as well as OnePlus, are doing something important. They're creating these mid-range phones that really are competitive and have these interesting features in them. I just feel like they are being marketed in an unrealistic way, which is a shame because I I think that they could stand just fine on their own. I, I look at these and based upon what I've read and seen, uh, they look great. I guess in order to really stand out against other phones that are in that same pricing range and against higher-end phones that are touted as flagships, you got to do something. But it, it just, I don't know. I get a little antsy when I encounter marketing messaging like that. That's it for this episode. I haven't done an episode where I focused on a specific technology like this, like a specific product in a very long time. Um, I tend to avoid it, but I don't mind doing them. So if you have suggestions for a specific product you think I should really take a look at and say, what is it that makes this product what it is? How does it stand apart from others in its category? I'd be glad to do that too. I don't do reviews. So if anyone's out there thinking, oh good, I can get them to review this product I represent. I don't do those. So don't. we're not going to do any reviews. It'll be more of an objective look at these sort of uh, of of devices and kind of a dive into the history and development of them as well. But if you want to leave me any kind of message, whether it's a suggestion or you have a question or anything like that, there are two ways to do it. One is to do, as I said before, you download the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download. It's free to use. You navigate over to the text stuff page. You can just use the search 
protect stuff and go there. You'll see there's a little microphone icon on that page. You click on that. You can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. If you like, you can even tell me if I can use the message in a future episode. I'm all about opt-in. So I'm not going to use, I'm never going to play a voice message unless the person specifically says, I'm totally cool with you doing that. In that case, I will include it in an upcoming episode, which is fun. But uh, yeah, I would never do that without permission. The other way to get in touch with me, which doesn't involve talking into anything at all, I know that can be kind of an, an anxiety trigger for a lot of people. No judgment. It can. It totally does for me. And I do a podcast. But the other way you can get in touch with me is to use Twitter. Uh, the handle that we use for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on I'm this. <laughs> people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown? Sleep tight stories.